Welcome back to Reality Check Chat here in Northeastern Pennsylvania, sponsored by the Independent Democratic Women of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. I'm Barbara Scott. And I'm Judy Herschel. And I'm Liz Kearney. Great to be back. Haven't seen you guys in a while. Right. (laughs) Great to be back. (laughs) We got some stuff to talk about. We do. Don't we? So voting rights have been under attack. And as everybody knows, the bill was shot down. I was reading Jamel Bowie's piece in the Times today, and he talks about how contrary to what the Republicans are saying over and over again, that the Democrats are just want to set things up with the voting rights, the John Lewis Voting Act and, and the other one, whatever it's called, that Democrats just want to make it so that they get elected. Contrary to that, and that the federal government doesn't have any right to take charge over states who are supposed to, by the Constitution, set the place and time of the vote. The Constitution says Congress oversees that. Congress has the right, and the Supreme Court has upheld it over and over again, that Congress has the power to oversee and to put in mandates for voting on federal elections. And so the Republicans are running around and saying they don't. They don't have the nerve to say it's unconstitutional because they know it is constitutional for Congress to do this. And we're talking about things like gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is only is only going to help the Democrats if the Democrats get in control and gerrymander, right? We don't want Democrats gerrymandering either. We want neither side to gerrymander. Oh, we don't want gerrymandering at all, right? We don't. We want fair d- districts. Exactly. And Judy, you were going to say, I'm frustrated because where we're at with this, with the the fight on the Republican side to basically destroy our election process right now and make it extremely difficult for most likely millions of people around this country is based on one of the biggest lies ever. You know, it goes back to the election fraud of of 2020. You know, we're only doing this, we're only having this argument because they think that we have a broken system. So I looked a little bit into that before our podcast today. The the Associated Press actually just came out, and I think it was this week, with a review of every potential case of voter fraud in the six battleground states that were disputed by um, former President Donald Trump. So state by state, how many would you guess they've found total. I know they didn't find enough to overturn the election. I know that's the case. I'm going to, I'm going to give you just a quick number per se of Arizona, 198, Georgia, 159, Michigan, 56, Nevada, between 93, 98, Pennsylvania, 26. And you don't know which, which candidate those fraudulent, who they voted for. They could have voted for for Trump, for crying out loud. They did. And they can't announce how the people voted, but they have been going out the Associated Press and questioning the people that they know have been caught. And the only stories that I can find, unless they're not covering them, is Republicans that voted for Trump. One of the, the cases of, you know, it was a man by the name of Donald Holtz. I believe he was the only Democrat that I found. No, he wasn't. I apologize. Donald Holtz wanted to vote for Trump. He just got out of jail, thought he could, because, but because he was a felon in that particular state, which was Wisconsin, um, he couldn't. So that could have been an error. But there was a gentleman by the name of Donald Hardy. He was a Las Vegas businessman that had actually had several fundraisers for Trump. And he um, voted for his wife, got caught, and then 
then basically, you know, tried to make every excuse in the book and then finally actually admitted it. So, and then another gentleman, um, Ralph Thurman, he got in quite a bit of trouble. He was a, a Republican that was in Southeast Pennsylvania and he tried to pretend he was his son came back to the same polling spot a couple hours later with a disguise and got caught. Those were the only stories that I could find. But what's really crazy is how, how low the numbers were. They're, they're making a problem out of an issue that's not a problem. Listen, one, one case is bad, but when we're talking those small numbers, the percentages are 0.15% of the vote at the highest. That's it. Oh, that, that's, I'm sure it's not even that high. It's probably not even that high. Yeah. The, point, the thing is yeah. that now that people say on the Republican side about the fraud, and then the Democrats will say, or other, or anybody will say, well, what's the evidence? Mm-hmm. And there isn't any. So they call it irregularities. Oh, well, you know, I'm for free and fair elections. There were some irregularities. I mean, I guess, but <laughs> what does that mean? You know, but that's the new... <laughs> That's the new thing, it, irregularities, because they can't prove any fraud because there wasn't any fraud that would possibly have changed the outcome of the election. Right. Well, I've seen a point made several times, too, that all the Republicans complaining about voter fraud, they failed to point out that they're not complaining about their ballots when they won. You know, no right. one's Mitch McConnell's not complaining that his election was, was fraudulent. And he was know? on the same ballot. <laughs> Right. No one's complaining about those ballots anywhere. Right. I think they've been investigating. And a lot of people would say, well, Mitch McConnell had like a 15 percent approval rating. How did how did he get reelected? We should be looking at those irregularities. Right. We should be. We should. Yeah. be, And we should have yeah. looked in 2016 at the presidential election. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Or one of the excuses that I hear quite a bit is, quote, why then when I went to bed the night of the election, Trump was ahead. And how the hell did he get so many votes by the following day? Now, I've worked several elections as county commissioner. All of us preparing for that county, the, that election of that year knew that the mail-in ballots that we received could not be calculated until eight o'clock at night, okay, until we were ready to go. Excuse me, seven o'clock. We could start an hour before. It was like that all throughout the country. So when you have millions of votes and you just start that night, those ones are going to come in much later. We knew that. The general public, unfortunately, the individuals that believe this, don't believe that. So they think that something happened in the middle of the night to cause these elections. When we know it was just the process of the elections. But people still say that too. Addressing Judy's point about not being able to open the mail-in ballots until the night of the election during the worst pandemic in the country in 100 years and people are voting by mail. I blame Republican legislatures for not passing laws to allow ballots to be counted sooner. Why not open those mail-in ballots as they, they, they came in? In some states, you can vote very early in some states. Why not tally them while you're going? Why wait till the night of the election when you know there'd be 150 so million people voting? That's just asinine. Yeah. To not open those ballots until the night of the election. Yeah. But any close race, not that this was close, that close. Right. Gonna It's going to have that kind of change in outcome up and down. And mm-hmm. we all knew, everybody knew if that you could tell those people that say that to you, Judy, if you watch the news, mm-hmm. how many absentee ballots in Pennsylvania for the first time, no excuse. And everybody's voting in a pandemic by mail if they can. Mm-hmm. And all those ballots have to be counted, mm-hmm. you know, in one day, impossible, especially in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. We knew it was going to be days before we knew what the results were, unless it was a landslide. We would know a landslide that night, but 
we knew as the numbers were, it was going to take days. Most of us that know how elections work, um, but you're right. You know, when people bring that up and, and those of you that are listening, same thing, when people bring that up, it's just not true. That's not how the process works. And quite a few um, Democrats did vote by mail. You know, they were very concerned. You know, we had a lot of anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, you know, I'm not going to vote by mail. And actually at one point, the Republican party was poo-pooing voting by mail. So right. I, right. I can kind of assume that, that it, even before that, the, the, the Democrats were coming out with mail-in votes. You know, they were because right. most of the Democrats I knew were. So we but knew just, that there would be a lot of Democrat votes coming in as the night went on later on. Exactly. And and that, that's why the our Republican legislature now wants to go back on that, get rid of that mail-in voting, which Governor Wolf vetoed. But that's what they're trying to do because they know Democrats voted by. And, and they knew the Republicans, the Republicans were voting in person, they, they knew that the Democrats were voting by mail because how soon did Trump start saying mail-in ballots are a fraud? Right. He knew the vote, those ballots were Democratic votes. Right, right. So yeah, they, they knew ahead of time. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he set it up mm-hmm. for people to object to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So absent a federal law, Many uh, expect that efforts on voter education, registration, and turnout programs by Democrats will cost millions of dollars and by others. You know, it's going to cost millions of dollars because Democrats are going to have to go and tell voters about all the egregious new laws Republicans have put in various states. The Democrats, it says, have a, have a last resort, the courts. The Department of Justice has filed lawsuits against new voting laws in Georgia and Texas, and outside groups have filed lawsuits in about 10 states, including Florida, Montana, and Arizona. So that's that's an ongoing thing. The Republican state legislatures are poised to push for even more restrictions, and key states are likely to be uh, New Hampshire, Georgia, and Florida, where Governor DeSantis is advocating for a sweeping new election law, including to establish a new law enforcement arm tasked solely with elections, probably arresting Democrats who vote. Mm-hmm. That's frightening. That's truly yeah. frightening. And, and imagine then, if they're successful at this. Imagine if they are for a moment. We have to make sure they're not. That's why we have to come out exactly. with the work. Important. But 2022 is very important. I mean, if Democrats can get a bigger control of the Senate so they don't have to rely on or get rid of cinema and get rid of cinema, might be able to, by majority vote, get rid of the filibuster. Could these new restrictions swing elections? Maybe, maybe not. Some laws will make voting more difficult for certain groups, cause confusion, or create longer wait times at polling places, any of which could deter voters. But Democrats and election experts are especially concerned about provisions to either allow for more partisan power over election administration or to lower the threshold for overturning elections. Yeah, which is what we're talking about Mm -hmm. in Harrisburg. That's what they're trying to do by constitutional amendments. They'll put them on the ballot in primaries when nobody goes to vote. And they they always pass because nobody reads them. Mm -hmm. In some places, the new restrictions could backfire. Fingers crossed. Many Republicans, (laughs) especially in far-flung rural areas, once preferred to vote by mail. Are you familiar with this phenomenon, Judy? I'm not. 
either. In addition, attempts to make voting harder have sometimes served as motivators that can actually spike turnout from Democrats, they mean. In my reading on this topic, there were a couple different comments made about how Republicans up until recently over the last few years, that election and easy accessibility to the polls was a priority of theirs. Do you remember that, Barb? That elections and election reform and making it easy for voting was a priority for Republicans and that they basically have turned on their own beliefs. But I don't remember the Republicans ever advocating for that, but maybe I I just never. No, but that's what I was just reading. That's what I was just reading about the uh, mail-in ballots. But I wasn't really aware of of how Republicans voted until, you know, they started these campaigns to thwart our democratic process, our democratic norms Mm -hmm. in this country. Well, I like the idea that their plan might backfire because when I hear about these things, they make me bound and determined to crawl over broken glass to vote. Yeah, but what about everybody else you know? You got to get them crawling too. I'll get them some knee pads and gloves so they can crawl over broken glass safely. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what. Now, I was going to say, every once in a while, I write down a quote of Barb's, and I said this before, you know, you you said, okay, this isn't going to happen, but we do need to let people know we cannot be oblivious to what's going on right now. There's so many people in denial. And you said last week to me, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. You said that we need to fear for our democracy. We need to think the unthinkable. We need to pair our defenses for the worst case scenario. And not too long ago, President Jimmy Carter, who does not love President Jimmy Carter, may not have been the best president, but he was the best man this month around January 6th. I I think he hit it right on the nail because of everything going on, because of everything going on with elections. We're living in scary times, guys. He said, promoters of the lie that the election was stolen have taken over one political party and stoked distrust in our electoral system. These forces exert power and influence through relentless disinformation, which continues to turn Americans against Americans. Politicians in my home state of Georgia, as well as in others such as Texas and Florida, have leveraged the distrust they have created to enact laws that empower partisan legislatures to intervene in election processes, just what you were saying. They seek to win by any means, and many Americans are being persuaded to think and act likewise, threatening to collapse the foundation of our security and democracy with breathtaking speed. I now fear that we have fought so hard to achieve globally the right to be free, to have fair elections, unhindered by strong man politics who seek nothing more than to grow their own power has become dangerously fragile at home. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were going to, I said, you know, we should talk about the fact that people are saying, are we going to have a new civil war? So I Googled it for tonight's podcast to see, see what I came up with. And I mean, I got so many hits about all these people that had written articles in various ways. And the New York Times had a whole section on it with the January 6th anniversary about, are we going to have another um, civil war? I mean, think about that. That's just unbelievable. The political, pretty well-known political scientist, Barbara Walker, who wrote How Civil Wars Start in, I think, 2018. And she says there's all the signs of a possible civil war, the authoritarianism among the Republicans, so many people believing that the election was rigged, in the words of former President Trump, that was stolen from him. And she said the U.S., used to be considered a full democracy like Norway, Switzerland, or Iceland. It's now considered a partial democracy like Ecuador, Somalia, or Haiti. (laughs) 
Somalia. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know who's considering it. I mean, but just just think about that. It's just it's just an unbelievable quote. And there are polls showing that many Americans think we're in a cold civil war. And of course, we all know how many guns there are in the United States, how many people feel that the Second Amendment right is above everything else Mm -hmm. and voting rights, for example. (laughs) You know, you would think it would be the other way around, but, you know, I'm not so sure it is. It's because 90% I read of the Republican Party is white and the white, particularly the white men, but the whites want to protect their political power. Mm-hmm. And Liz, you were going to talk about white fright. Right. And I, you just hit on that. You know, the, there's a perception that white people are, could become a minority in this country in the what, next 30 or 40 years, I believe. I fit the exact number, exact date. And for some white people, it's terrifying. I don't get that. I'm like, bring it, you know, whatever. I don't get, I don't get the, but the fear. And again, the fear that makes us fight among ourselves. And I was thinking like, like the second amendment thing, why do people have to carry guns into like go to Starbucks or Walmart? What is so dangerous in these suburban stores? <laughs> people need to carry a gun, which often, ends up in a tragic accident. I read a story about a, a woman, a well-educated, a very good gun handler, takes a gun in a special pocket of her purse. And why she's carrying a purse to Walmart, again, I have no idea. And turns her back for a second, a two-year-old in the cart, opens her purse, finds a gun, and shoots her dead. Who needs a handgun like that? It reminds me of, I've had two different law enforcement no cops from two very distinct jurisdictions tell me the exact same thing in the exact same words. Stranger on stranger crime is incredibly rare. And they both said the same thing. One guy's in Baltimore County, Maryland. The other guy's out in the middle of Montana. And they both said the, the crime you're most likely to encounter yourself is if you leave your car unlocked and teenage kids run rummaging in your car at night looking for loose change. That's the kind of crime most of us are most likely to encounter. And there's, of course, there's stuff in the news where awful things happen. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's unheard of of course but it's very rare stranger on stranger crime is rare mm-hmm. and to have us terrified of that again who serves when we're all terrified of each other who wins exactly and the united states yeah. is a very well-armed populace and that's another ingredient for civil war mm-hmm. according to the political scientist walker and we have 19.8 million semi-automatic weapons and growing because people are buying more and more guns. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blame the Republicans all on this one too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, no. they're demonizing. I'm just going to blame the Republicans on everything. God love them. And, um, and there's so much um, vilification of urbanites. And listen, when I say Republicans, I mean the Republican establishment. There right. are some rational, there are, there are rational Republicans out there. There aren't enough that are speaking out but there are rational Republicans. Just their demonizing of inner city Black youths and gangs and immigrants and and instilling this fear in rural individuals that have never been in an urban area and painted this picture that this is this wild west of the world. And if if any Black person comes into your neighborhood, they're a gang member and uh, you shouldn't be trusted. You know, that's the dialogue that many people in our community believe. Where do they get that from? It's all political, all political. It's all fear. All fear-based, all, you know, and it's been going on for 30 years here. I have a great and interesting quote here, but I don't have who who said it. So my apologies to anybody out there. I think it was somebody on NPR. (laughs) 
<laughs> too much thinking of the unthinkable, as I was talking about before, too much thinking of the unthinkable can become acceptance of the unacceptable. I hope we don't get to that oh, because oh, yeah. I, th I think it's true though. I think some do. I think, I don't think I believe this. And I think the opposite is true too. Too much, too much acceptance of the unacceptable leads to the unthinkable. Yeah. Hmm. You know, if you're, if you're not really thinking about and January 6th is the perfect example. The Republican, as Judy says, the Republican Party and it's whoever's the leadership, I don't know. And their leaders are trying to make us think that the January 6th insurrection wasn't violent. You know, they didn't look at the testimony of those Capitol Police officers, that's for sure, if they're going to say it wasn't violent, that it, they were doing their patriotic duty. And if you didn't read my letter to the editor in the Scranton Times Tribune about being a patriot, <laughs> I did. I did. about being a patriot, let me know and I'll send it to you. I think that we're patriots, those of us who think it was horrible what happened at the Capitol on January 6th and not the people that were in there defecating on our marble floors. And we should never minimize it because there's not one of us that wants that to happen again. Well, that's this whole thing about accepting the unacceptable. Right. Yep. I think I think there are people that want it to happen again. They think it was cool. Oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to do it again. Yeah. And that's that's why we all have to be doing something. Right. That stuff does isn't just going to go away because we want it to. We have mm -hmm. to get out there and like Democrats and we have to work at it. Mm -hmm. And then I want to retire from politics, but not until I've given it my all. And I think everybody out there should try and give it their all. Mm -hmm. Just some of the articles that are out there, if you're interested in the New Yorker, is a civil war ahead? Are we really facing a second civil war in a New York Times column? Is the U.S. really heading for civil war in The Guardian? Three generals wrote in the Washington Post a piece warning another, I underlined another, coup attempt could lead to civil war. They're calling Trump's, they're calling last uh, 2020, we're in 2022, but in 2020, they're calling that a coup attempt. And they wrote a letter in the Washington Post, evidently warning that another coup attempt could lead to civil war. Hmm. That's all I got, guys. What do you got? I don't know. Can we end it on a happy note? <laughs> <laughs> What's a happy thing? You're the one in a good mood tonight, sister. What's a happy note? <laughs> What's a happy note? How about this? We decided to end this podcast on a little bit of a more upbeat note. And we're going to each tell you uh, something we saw or read that was entertaining, that we felt we enjoyed, that we thought was well done. And I'll give us a chance to think about it. Hmm. Let me think here. My life doesn't allow for too much television or reading, <laughs> but I will say this. My mother, before she died, a couple months before we knew that she was dying, bought me a guitar in my early 20s. And I learned how to play. I learned how to play while she was, while oh, she cool. was dying. And oh. I learned how to play in my early 20s. And I continued to play until the kids were babies, but I stopped. I just stopped completely. But Eric got me a beautiful new guitar for Christmas. I started playing. It came right back. Got my blisters on my fingers. And now I'm teaching the boys how to play. So we're taking a little bit of time to do that. But I, I shouldn't have waited so long. 
but I do have, there is a time I'm going to quit politics too. When I feel like I've done it, give it my all also Barb, but then I'm going to have a, a garage band and I'm hoping that you two will join me with that. So pick up your instruments. You got time to play. I think we got a good, we got a good 10 years at least. You do, you do not want me in your garage. Band. I would definitely want you in my garage. I, you know, I don't have, I, I enjoy music, but I don't have any talent. I'm like talentless. You can manage us. Let's hear something. Can you play something? Are you serious? My, I don't, my guitar is. Oh, it's right there. It's not tuned. Oh, let me see. Where's my guitar? Where's my guitar? Oh, it's right, know, it's right, it's right here. Oh my God, you're putting me on the spot. It's pretty. Oh, it's not tuned. You know this? Another turning point of voice. Life grabs you by the wrist, direction where to you go. So make the best of this task. What? I'm singing them a song. So make the best of this task and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learning time. It's something unpredictable. Something unpredictable. But in the end, it's right. That's a nice way to end. I enjoyed that. It was a yeah. little soft. It was a little hard to hear. But yeah, um, and my guitar is out of tune, and you got me on the you got me on the fly. I'm not. I don't perform in front of others. I'm not ready. <laughs> I think I'll Barb, skip and not say anything, huh? Yes. Barbie, you can book Judy's Garage Band for your retirement from politics party. <laughs> yes, I will. Will you book me? Okay. Absolutely. I'll be prepared the next time. <laughs> All right. I don't have anything to top that. I don't know if Liz does. I've got a thing. I can't top that. I've got a thing. I just realized, I think it was last night I read somebody on Facebook shared an editorial Amanda Gorman had written somewhere recently. How scared she was during the inauguration. And what really stuck with me is how, she, how scared she was. She said, maybe fear is a sign that it's important. That's what I got out of that. I said, wow, because I think of things that I need to be doing that I'm probably afraid of. But your fear is a sign that it's important. And it's kind of like a, an, a helper, an aid. Like, a, hey, yeah. I'm scared. This means I need to do this. That's a and motto that really, of mine. That really moved me. That was really cool. Really, if I'm scared, Liz, if I'm scared of something, I go towards it. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't think I'm frightened of what's happening in our country. That's for sure. I don't know if I go to it or sometimes I want to stick my head in the sand. But we're going um, to cave. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to. So we hope that you uh, listen it. to us on Spotify. Again, we're the Reality Check Chat. We are the Independent Democratic Women of Susquehanna County, and we will see you next time. Have a good night, everyone. Good night to you. Bye, guys. Bye. Night, night.